Lowell Boyers is an established painter living in New York City. He graduated with a BFA from RISD and an MFA from Yale. His work has been shown in a wide range of solo and group shows across the country and internationally. Tom Healy described Lowell's work in this way. Lowell Boyer's paintings don't tempt the grand explanation so much as they pull us inward. They crack a door open. It's almost impossible not to want the impossible, to enter the canvas, to follow the frenzy within. Welcome to the show, Lowell. Hey, thank you so much, Shannon. It's good to be here. I'd like to give some background on how I know each artist I interview, so I wanted to let you know how I know Lowell. I met him at a high school party. Mm. Lowell went to, a, to Kiski, which is an all-boys prep school outside of Pittsburgh in Salzburg, Pennsylvania. And his mom, your mom was a teacher at Kiski, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, both my mom and my stepfather were, yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah. fun fact about Lowell and I, we share a same birthday on October 29th. Right. <laughs> I'm much um, older than you know, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a year older than me. <laughs> 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 so, Lo, why don't we start with a little background about you? Um, where did you grow up? I was born in Queens in New York, and um, but I lived, uh, we left uh, shortly after, you know, I think when I was two, to upstate New York. Um, but my folks are from New York City, and my immediate family, you know, the kind of, everybody was a kind of New York-bred uh, crowd, you know, Brooklyn, the Bronx. Queens and the kind of tri-state area, but uh, we moved upstate to Saratoga Springs when I was two years old. Uh, my father got a teaching job at Skidmore College, and uh, I traveled around quite a bit with uh, my mother after my folks got divorced when I was around seven and a half, eight. I lived in Texas and Western Pennsylvania, as you mentioned, and after that, I went to college. Uh, you know back east coast but um anyway yeah so i traveled around a lot but my father still lives in saratoga springs and that's kind of a little bit like my hometown because it's been 51 years he's been there yeah and you used to spend summers there right yeah i used to spend summers there you know uh after school and stuff and that was kind of the family agreement so uh it was nice and it was it was uh it's familiar and um, you know, I even once had a house there that I bought and then sold after a while. So I really love it. It's a great college town and there's the flat racing, uh, track, you know, horse racing. And, uh, so there's kind of a, it's a real tourist town during the summers, New York city ballet used to take residence there. They may still, I don't know. And then, uh, there were all kinds of rock concerts and fun things to grow up with, you know? That's great. Yeah. Um, and would you would you say you grew up in an artistic family? I don't remember what your what your parents. Yeah, thought. everybody. Yeah, all my uh, all my parents are kind of a uh, literary, academic, literary intellectuals. My my father uh, and uh, stepmother are uh, teach at Skidmore College. He's also a novelist, and uh, my stepmother is a poet. And they have a quarterly magazine called Samagundi, which is a uh, kind of social, political, literary, uh, quarterly journal. Um, and then uh, my mom is uh, also a teacher, taught literature, and uh, was a child psychologist, and 
taught drama and my stepfather's a philosopher and has taught in various universities all over the country and uh, um, written major uh, texts on Ortega y Gasset and Hannah Arendt and you know he's so I grew up with lots of books and um, lots of art on the shelves you know art books on the shelves and art on the walls and um, but you know I being a painter was slightly divergent in the sense that everybody was there were students of the word and I was student of the mark I guess you know different do you remember your first um, experience kind of making art when you knew you were going to be an artist, even as a young, younger person? Yeah, you know, it was kind of like when I was really young, like eight or nine, I, I thought I might be like a animal behaviorist like Jane Goodall. And then all of a sudden I started kind of drawing, probably because of the divorce, I became a little more internalized and, uh, I started drawing a lot more. There were, I was reading a lot of comic books and I was drawing like superhero comic books and, uh, you know, um, also kind of things from the imagination, you know, uh, figures busting through walls or leaping over obstructions, you know, like if I were doing like psychological analysis, I would have to, you know, of the past, these were kind of metaphors for my own desire to kind of individuate and get out of the kind of, tough stuff so then you know shortly thereafter all the you know Picasso and I don't know Egon Schiele and Gustav Klimt and all these kind of artists who drew a lot you know really great draftsmen Matisse and whatnot they started the books that my folks had around started to connect to me and I realized that I had a not only a facility but a kind of passion for uh that kind of uh uh, drawers, dexterity, and, you know, I started to identify myself as wanting to be an artist around 12 years old or 13. Did you paint in at, in high school at Kiski or more drawing? Oh, well, yeah, both, uh, both. I, I was really uh, fortunate, although I, it was, um, it was an all boys school at Kiski. And uh, it, so there was, although it, had a good academic, uh, it was a good academic life there. You know, it was a typical boys school. There was a lot of athletic, uh, you know, people were really pushing athletics. And I was really, although I was kind of good and adept at athletic activity, luckily, you know, I, so I was good at it, but I, uh, I really wanted to be in the studio. And I had this kind of art teacher who was not very good or, even that intellectually astute, but somehow he recognized that I had talent and he would kind of take me to adult classes in and around uh, Salzburg and Pittsburgh and Monroeville and um, yeah, these like adult drawing classes. And then uh, during the summers when I'd visit my dad, I took painting classes uh, at Skidmore College. So I was already, even by the time I was, 15 or 16, I was starting to really get into more serious approaches to observation and kind of academic grab bags of tricks and learning how to become more facile with material. And then you went on to get a BFA from RISD and then an MFA from Yale. Did you have, yeah. any, did you have any professors who had a huge impact on you or any, 
you know, experiences that were really, you know, impacted your artwork? Yeah, I mean, RISD was great because, you know, uh, I was one of the only artists in my high school and uh, so um, who was really serious. So being surrounded by other art makers was incredible and um, and a great kind of gift, you know, to just have other, that kind of passion being kind of mirrored back to me. And of course, having, there were quite a few really good teachers uh, there. Um, I think my closest teacher was this very fanciful guy named Richard Merkin, who was um, not really a super great artist, but he was very flamboyant and he just had a way of encouraging um, adventurousness. And that was really helpful as I was trying to discover my voice. And then in graduate school, I worked very closely with a guy who was a uh, abstract painter actually uh, named Jake Berteau. And he and I talked a lot about, you know, uh, how to, about process and how to lose myself in my process in a good way, you know, and so that I'd get out of my concepts too much, you know, and uh, find a way for the the process to uh, help me discover, again, a kind of young voice. And uh, that was really helpful. So. And then how did you end up in New York City? Did you move there right after Yale? Yeah, I did. Everybody, you know, people, young young adventurous artists like me you know we all we all came here to uh strike it big <laughs> and, be, <laughs> and <laughs> it was uh it was great and i moved here with a couple friends who i'd gone to graduate school with and we got a loft down uh near wall street of all things down on water street and we had a loft and a studio and it was just like right out of the movies you know basically a tiny kitchen we would live in these lit had these little bedrooms that were barely rooms at all, all so that we could uh, sacrifice our living space to uh, studio space. And so that's what we did. And we um, actually had made a little alternative gallery space out of there and uh, called water street studios. And, you know, we were pushing our work and going to Soho and handing out Xeroxes to, you know, make our claim, you know, and try and get into galleries, you know, as well. But uh, it was fun. It was really fun. And then your studio's in Chelsea right now, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've been here in Chelsea since uh, 1990, 91. And, um, uh, yeah, and it was all, you know, manufacturing back then. It was, uh, so I had a loft with friends um, and uh, for a long time and it was kind of sandwiched between, you know, ca- uh, Latin American cabinet shops and it was a ancient hand block printer on the ground floor, you know, with ink everywhere. And uh, he was paying nothing for like 5,000 square feet, like $1,200 for 5,000 wow. <laughs> square feet in the, center of Manhattan and he thought it was too expensive you know and we were paying a little bit more than that and we thought it was just the greatest thing that ever happened to us and uh yeah it was it was a really fun time 
And then Chelsea became Chelsea, you know, after a while. It became the kind of center of the art world, you know. So you're still enjoying being in that location? and I am. I'm lucky. I mean, I have far less space than I once did. You know, I've got a cool, I've got a big studio actually right across the street from where my loft used to be. I, I fought for a long time to try and keep the loft. I lived and worked there, but, you know, eventually the city changed and they wanted $30,000 a month. And I was, I was like, what? <laughs> I tried to fight in court and, you know, Luckily, I had relationships. I'm, you know, some of my friends when they walk, come and visit me, and I'm walking through the streets. People call me like the mayor because I'm, you know, I've just been in this neighbor so neighborhood so long, you know. So when I was losing the loft, I just talked to the big this big building across the street, and they're like, had known me and three generations of dogs, and they're like, come on in, we'll get you a space. I'm still there now, which is great. And I assume there's a, a strong community of artists around you that you spend time with. And Yeah, I have, a, I have a lot of artist friends, many who I went to school with um, uh, over the years. Uh, of course, you know, um, a lot of artists stopped making art, but I've been lucky to, uh, I've been lucky to have quite a few peers who have stuck with it, you know, from the very get-go and... Uh, and I, you know, I stay with them and we, we have a great forum, you know, I mean, as you get older, you get a little more, I don't know the right word, but, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's not quite the same, you know, um, as it once was, but we have a great deal of admiration and respect and we support one another, you know, through uh, when we have shows and you know, when there are things and we visit one another studios when we're in process. And that's been really nice, you know, to just have that, you know. And do you have any, do you have any tips for people, I guess, artists who are trying to make a living just making art? Do you have any tips having done it for so many years as to how to make that work or? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I really don't, you mean just living off of of one's art? Because you, you, no. you have a personal yeah. training business as well. Um, yeah, I do. So that- yeah, that, that's actually my advice. My advice is to, my advice is to always find some kind of trade or skill or something that you can rely on um, for regular uh, income. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it, it's hard. I think uh, when you're young, there's some you know there's so much passion. And uh, I mean, there's still so much passion now that I'm older, but I just mean that there's a sense of never wanting to, you know, give up even a moment of time to any kind of worldly concern. And in some ways, I really I'm I'm proud that I was so, you know, uh, so committed and everything. On the other hand, you know, somehow I had a sense I never liked a handout or feeling that people had an obligation to buy my work. And so in a funny way, or to get, you know, even like grants and things, although I I did apply for some, you know, here and there, but this idea of just being, you know, uh, it was my commitment and my um, drive and my passion, and I should take responsibility for it. It made sense to me to, you know, work some kind of job, you know, uh, in some kind of way to help support 
my passion. Um, but, you know, there are young people who are doing it, and I'm actually adapting to uh, the way that the art world is expanding. I mean, now I make most of my sales, uh, even though I show regularly at galleries and all this stuff, I, I make most of my sales through social media connections and and initially, at least, the relationships, you know, uh, are uh, engendered through social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, you know, and things like that. So, you know, it's um, that can be super rewarding. And I think young people are doing that instinctually now, and they're doing quite well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that's what I, I, you know, the only... The bad part is that, you know, it, unlike selling out of a gallery, people are not, you know, uh, if they're looking at your work on Instagram, which is totally fine and good, is, but it's, you know, an inch and a half, whatever it is, two inch screen, you right. know, image of a painting that could be, you know, seven by nine feet, mm -hmm. you know? So what are they really seeing and how are they, how are collectors or anybody making decisions based on these kinds of illusions of scale and all this, it's, it diminishes the experience a little bit, but uh, you know, you got to go with what you got to go with. And I think young people are just naturally adapting to it, you know, the way they want to. You know? So that would be my recommendation is to get a really good, be, you know, don't be too shy and uh, share things through social media i think is the the vehicle and I, the best vehicle i assume you also have open studios from time to time so people can come and actually see oh, the, yeah. the size of your work oh yeah people do i i regularly have open studios and i have a you know now i've been painting a long time so i have a huge community of people here in new york and abroad and all over the country when they come into town they come and visit me and see new paintings and you know, uh, yeah, and that's really rewarding. And, you know, so I don't merely res uh, rely on, you know, uh, gallery shows, you know, to, um, you know, to share the work. Although that's the best when you can, yeah. you know. And then just in yeah. terms of the, a day in your life as an artist, what percentage of the day do you spend painting versus personal training? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Usually I, I have uh, clients that I work with um, with my business in the morning. And usually by early afternoon or so, I, uh, I take the dog out and uh, get a little stretch of the limbs. And then I return back to studio and I start to paint. So I paint and I don't really work weekends uh, with my business. So usually by Friday afternoon and all through the weekend, I'm painting and then every afternoon and early evening usually I'm touching or looking or doing something making some kind of consideration for the work but you know now it's it's not like I have to punch a clock or anything I have to say you know some artists really do like they're very methodical but um, for me it feels everything is very natural you know if i if i just touch them or sit with them sometimes that's fine and then other times i'll be in the paint and in the studio for eight nine 
11 hours in a given day, you know, and then other times barely anything at all. So it depends. I do lot, I have times where I do lots of works on paper as well as painting and other times where I'm, you know, just kind of, uh, it's almost like filtering through ideas um, or not even ideas, textures of experiences that, uh, you know, may make up some kind of movement in the work or not, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, totally. I was going to say, you also have to leave time to walk your dog, your cute dog. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Thank God I have him because he, he, otherwise I'm an utterly solitary style. I mean, I'm, I have my charms, but truthfully I can really disappear into, uh, into the studio and, um, it's uh, and also I'm a long time meditator, so you know, solitary time is great, but every once in a while it's great to have him, you know, come on over to me and be like, Hey, dude, it's a gorgeous day, we got to get out, <laughs> yep. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I thought we could just, just, so just talk a little bit more about your paintings, um, since they're beautiful and they're sure. on your website, which is oh, lowellboyers.com, which I'll direct people to later as well. But um, I wanted to start with a quote by Tom Healy, who reviewed your work, and he said, Boyer's paintings radiate outward. It's as if we were witness to the moments following internal combustions, as if Boyer's had just broken a barrier between us and some inner world. Which, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk further about that, but just um, maybe to describe a little bit, uh, just your process and um, you know, maybe the yeah. images in your work, because you have a lot of images of a figure, which you 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 said on mm-hmm. your website, um, biographical. But yeah, I was hoping maybe you could just talk about the paintings a little bit. And... Yeah, sure. Um, I love that quote, and he's a he's a collector of mine, and also a big collector and advocate of the arts. Um, he used to run Lower Manhattan Cultural Council too, Tom Healy. But um, anyway. Uh, you know, basically I start, when I start, I really don't have, I don't do preparatory drawing or anything like that. It's really, um, I start out with a kind of blank slate, you know, uh, the canvas, canvases, which can be quite large. I think I mentioned, you know, sometimes, you know, I'd say like life size, you know, anywhere from four to six feet by, you know, uh, seven by nine feet. Um, It varies, you know, it varies. But um, uh, I uh, then start with kind of, I don't, um, I don't, I just start with kind of diaphanous pools of water. Usually I paint with acrylic paints and ink, uh, acrylic resins, um, water-based paints because of the drying time and because of the process that I use, I need that drying time. Oil dries so much slower. So, um, and the color fastness of these materials is much more reliable. So I'll just start with thin uh, diaphanous pools and pores of color, just slowly uh, building on these um, layers. Uh, and sometimes I'll draw into them sometimes they're barely uh they have no form at all and then eventually i they start to kind of have um uh they start to have a little bit of uh, 
I don't know the right word, a kind of, they start to take anamorphic shape, you know, whether it's the, the curve of a back or the shape of vines or thorns or of uh, 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 currents or ripples. You know, it's each painting, even though I don't have a kind of uh, initial idea of what it, is going to be there's a kind of like uh, there are textures that I'm working with kind of with my hand and certain kind of images that I'm constantly uh, you know working with and almost like a tool belt of of images that uh, kind of uh, connect to my spirit I guess and um, yeah I mean recently I've been just thinking of them as kind of, I've been calling these new paintings that I've been doing innerscape paintings or innerscapes, but um, it's almost like the inner landscape of our lives or of my life in a way. But uh, I like to think of them as mirror-like reflections um, of my own, but also of the viewer. And in many ways, um, in many ways, the, uh, the um, way that, uh, how should I say, the way that these innerscapes um, begin to, uh, uh, I don't know the right word. It's almost like when I used figures, uh, the landscape would already be mostly uh, defined. And I would find the kind of gesture of a figure from this, the landscape of these diaphanous pores. And I'd kind of just almost draw the figure in uh, almost like a contour to have their inner life kind of pouring out almost like a vapor or like a river. And um, eventually, recently, it's almost like I started taking a, almost like a microscope or a, a vessel into the depths of these, uh, these kind of inner landscapes. And I started going inside and they started opening up in different ways. So, yeah, it's been kind of fascinating. Um, evolution. And I found one of your quotes on your website about your own work, just calling it manip manipulated chaos, which I really like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's kind of, as, as I'm talking about it, it sounds like manipulated <laughs> chaos. Like I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, no, it's, um, you know, the, okay, so I think a lot of, a lot of imagery, the imagery that I use is kind of loosely based on this idea that each sensation that we have is like a big bang like you know like the birth of a the birth of a universe of expressions so if you are walking around uh you see uh color trees um a sense of weight on the ground a breeze a thought of somebody, a memory or whatever. And these, each time you have these little kind of poetic textures running or coursing through your mind and your body, they're like, there's this potential for them to almost like grow into more, you know? And uh, in funny ways, I use these, the images of ripples and paths and um, uh, almost like, um, flowers and floral shapes and vessels almost like there each one is like this potential opportunity for discovery 
And sometimes they grow bigger and become something meaningful. And sometimes they're just allusions to that nature of things happening and unfolding to the body and the mind all the time, if that makes sense. It definitely does. And how do you, how do you think your work has evolved over the years? Well, yeah, it's hard to Mm -hmm. say sometimes because it's, uh, um, that they've evolved in the sense that right now I, you know, they're coming, they're a little more abstract than they ever were, but they're still, I've always been in fusion, a kind of representation and abstraction in some kind of fusion. Um, and that always made sense to me in a funny way. I'm, I've always, I kind of have thought of myself as a slightly more representational version of Cy Twombly and, you know, in a, uh, way like um, yeah, I, it's funny that it's and um, but it's just I could become a very figurative artist again. I I'm not really sure what will come. Like I all of a sudden I'm starting to paint all these kind of uh, sea vessels or boats that are either on flame or taking wing, um, and uh, it's it's fun, you know, and the vessels are becoming, instead of using figures, I'm using these vessels as expressions for some kind of journeying or uh, um, transformation, you know, opportunity for transformation. In terms of the scale of your paintings, are they generally all the same size or do you have some that are smaller and more precious or? Yeah, Yeah, I have small, I do some small works, um, I have a, I did three small paintings kind of recently that were like 16 by 20 inches. Um, but, and I have been working a little bit smaller recently, uh, you know, like four by seven feet, uh, four by five feet, um, which to some may sound really big, but, you know, I've done a lot of 10 by 12 images, eight by 10, nine, uh, you know, seven by nine feet. Uh, canvases so they they vary um, in scale according to my mood you know I do like one painting I like painting big but you know quite frankly a lot of people can't buy them or even mm-hmm. house them so uh, that becomes a little bit of a consideration when I'm storing them you know like I'm literally I have so many you know I'm kind of six. I mean, reasonably successful compared to many of my peers, but like, you know, big paintings are hard to sell. So all of a sudden I've got like, you know, 10 huge canvases laying around and you just don't know what to do with them. So, you know, at a certain point, I have to think about some of that stuff. So I, I, I've been painting a little bit smaller and I think people can imagine them in their homes more, you know. I mean, it is the way it is, you know, but I do like painting big because I like the way it envelops, you know, uh, the viewer in a way when they walk into a room and all of a sudden it's just the kind of expanse uh, that pushing out that Tom Healy talks about, you know, I really like that feeling. But, you know, if you look, if you go to Italy or something like this and you see these little or you all you have to do is go to the Metropolitan Museum or the Carnegie, you know, in Pittsburgh. You know, it's uh, there are beautiful little 
you know, miniatures, you know, from Prudellas or whatever. And, oh, my goodness, they just draw you in in such meaningful ways. So, you know, if I can make small paintings do that, I would like to, you know, and I try. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. And then how active are you in applying to be in gallery shows and having that exposure? Oh, regular, regularly. I usually show... Uh, once or twice a year, uh, whether it's a solo show or group shows. I've been doing more group shows um, recently as an opportunity. I, usually I didn't do so many group shows, partly because, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like I wanted to I – had, I had my voice. I wanted to almost have that be really properly um, – scene you know within all the paintings in context with one another but now in an interesting way i'm i'm really enjoying um having uh the context of my work um be balanced off of other artists and how uh they're being seen and it's it allows a kind of new dimensionalization of my approach and all the years of work I've been doing. So I've had quite a couple, uh, quite a few group shows as well, which has been great. And um, yeah, so, uh, but usually two or three times, like this year, past year, I had three shows, one solo show, and I'm about to have another uh, uh, group show. So two group, it'll be two group shows. And Is that in New York show. City, the yeah, upcoming show? Cool. Yeah, at this place called Anderson Contemporary, which is down on Maiden Lane, uh, 180 Maiden Lane. And um, there uh, is an interesting gallery. She's been in the business for quite some time. She used to uh, be on Orchard Street uh, in the Lower East Side. And now she's all the way down in the financial district. And the gallery is a really cool space. It's the whole core of this giant glass building. And but they, she has this... Uh, is all on the ground floor and it's enormous space with all this sunlight. It's really something. So um, it's a great opportunity. Uh, it'll be three artists, uh, a woman named Linda Brosterman, uh, who I don't know personally, but uh, I know her work. And then uh, another a Japanese artist who I went to RISD with, Minako Iwamura, and then myself. And um, yeah, and it's almost, it's so big a space that, we're all kind of almost like having uh, solo shows, but together. But our work kind of relates to one another. Brosterman's work kind of relates. She paints water in a way and uh, kind of close-ups of water. And uh, um, uh, and uh, Monaco Iomura uh, paints these kind of rhythms, uh, almost like uh, the rhythms of tides, but in a totally uh, graphic way um, using abstraction and almost like fractally star-like shapes. And then there's my work, which is um, these innerscape paintings that I've been doing. So it's kind well, of I fun. wish I could come to the show. We'll see. Maybe I can. You should come on down. Come on down. Come on down. It'll be open, I think, till okay. mid-June. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the... Um, the virus situation the COVID-19 will settle down and 
people can yes, come. Yes, for sure. So we'll um, and just related to, you know, when yeah. you sell a painting through a show or, or through social media, do you find it hard to part with your work ever? You know, sometimes, but mostly I'm just excited that somebody mm -hmm. likes it enough to want to buy it, you know. Um, and also, you know, because I'm pretty prolific, so I'm really excited more, you know, every once in a while. And I don't mean this in a really mean way. People, you know, but every once in a while, certain people pick paintings. I'm not so sure they really even know what they're getting, you know, like it's kind of a, I have this sense of disconnect, even though they like mm -hmm. the painting, you know, and that sometimes throws me a little bit. And I don't mean that in a really critical way. It may be my own projection about what I think the work is or isn't and all these things not being satisfied, but you know, it's uh, yeah. So that sometimes happens, but mostly I'm super excited and, uh, and I love, love, love visiting my work at other, when it's been installed mm -hmm. in other people's homes. That's one of the greatest gifts, you know, I have to say. Oh, almost better, almost better than showing work in a funny way. It's like when you see it in the context of another person's life, it's such a blessing. Sure. And then I'm, I was just wondering now in these times yeah. of you know, craziness with the coronavirus, um, does, does yeah. I mean, I'm sure in, in general, well, I don't want to speak for you, but, um, is art is it therapeutic right now to be making art and just I'm, it's always a way of processing emotions i feel that's right now yeah i mean i think for sure um you know i i i've been working you know steadily anyway but um i think this is a time you know it's a time for us to take stock of things that are important to us and of the more subtle uh, phenomena that is in our lives, um, whether it's art making or art appreciation, um, listening to music and all these things that quiet allows us time to explore. Uh, you know, for the artist, of course, it's great to have that vehicle to just you know, just be in the world, my own world, you know, it's safe and sound and pushing outward. But I think uh, everybody's discovering a little bit of their creative imagination now, wondering how to negotiate um, this new world that we're being confronted For with, sure. you know. Um, yeah. What just a couple yeah. life questions um, at the end here, since this is sure, a living sure. artist. We might as well talk about life a little bit. <laughs> um, so do okay. you have uh, one experience that you just, uh, the most exhilarating experience? Yeah. There are probably many. Hmm. There are so many. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I mentioned that I'm a long time meditator, but you know, there were, there was a time when I, I first met uh, my spiritual teacher that was, you know, utterly transformative. And all of a sudden I realized that, you know, um, meditation is kind of a way, you know, uh, more than anything, uh, more than anything, it's like 
It's an, uh, it's an expansion of the way you see the world. And painting was always my way of seeing the world. But, you know, when I wasn't painting, I was always kind of just thinking about painting. But when I discovered the kind of language of um, the Dharma, Buddhist, Buddhist Dharma, you know, uh, I kind of, all of a sudden I realized like, I could be painting like all the minutes of my life, even if I don't have a brush in my hand. And that was shocking and exhilarating. And it's changed the way I live my life now in a funny way. You know, it does, it looks kind of the same, but it, inside it's changed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, inside. For sure. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, and then how about uh, yeah, best yeah. piece of advice you've ever received, whether it's artistic or life advice? No. Mm, the best is to uh, be, uh, try and find some naturalness in myself, to not pretend to be anything, to just really um, be who I am and not to shy away from that, even when it's kind of complicated uh that that seems not that you're not compromising or i'm not talking about that i just mean like finding a naturalness you know in myself that i you know when i was given that advice it rang true and it's harder to do than one imagines you know it's really hard to really practice it, yeah and i think as we know? get older just um the idea of self-compassion that's been something in my life that I feel like I'm much more yeah. compassionate with myself now as I'm, that I'm older. Um, oh. oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's definitely also, yeah. Like the more you, we mature, it's just kind of like, it's a given like, wow, why, why was I doing that all these years? You know, <laughs> I could, everything's so right. good now, you know? Yeah. All right. And then yeah. two more questions. Um, what can't you live without? Sure. Solitary time. I think that that would be my big, my big thing. So quarantine <laughs> serves me quite well. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's probably not a good to joke uh, about it. But, you know, I, uh, I really like my quiet time. And uh, not only for painting, maybe, you know, luckily my little dog is pretty quiet. So I do love my time with him too, uh, which I almost consider solitary as well. But um, yeah, just quiet. Yeah, I think some people are extroverts and introverts and I really get my resource so I can be the world, uh, be who I want to be in the world for others when I'm alone, you know, like I, I, I kind of gather my resources and then I can be all I want to be for the people I love, you know. Um, and even those I don't love, you know, uh, elsewhere. Yeah. And how about the yeah. last question, which would be, what's your most inspirational place? I don't know. Any, any big expanse, I think. I love, you know, I have a, where I live now, I have a rooftop uh, place where I can look out at the sky over the Hudson River. Or sometimes I, I live very close to the Hudson you know, just going out to the Hudson or, you know, uh, a green field or, uh, 
just kind of expansive vistas, you know, sitting in front of the ocean. I have to say those are the, you know, for me, I could also say the Metropolitan Museum and things like that, but, you know, frankly, I think it's just nature and it's, its natural expanse is the thing that really triggers my reverie, you know, reverie, creative reverie in sure. a way, you know. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Lowell. It's been yeah. wonderful talking to you. Um, and if people want to learn learn more about Lowell, please go to his website at lowellboyers.com. And you can learn more about him on my website, which is livingartistpodcast.com. Enjoy the rest of your day, Lowell. And thanks again. Thank you so much, Shannon. Okay, really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger living artist community.